This is from Psalm chapter 90. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Uh, you know, we're excited to celebrate Mother's Day, uh, but also Mother's Day can bring along with it some bittersweetness as we think about how, just how things change over the years. You know, you think back to when you're a kid and, and your relationship with your mom and dad, and maybe things weren't perfect or maybe things were good, and, and you just miss uh, that closeness that you had. And, and so this is a morning where we kind of reflect on change, but we also come together and we thank God for his faithfulness. And just to remind ourselves that, that God is our dwelling place for every generation, that he does not change, um, his purposes stand sure. So just to encourage you to, to take that thought and, and hold on to it today. Be sure to uh, hug the mothers uh, in your life, um, thank them and, and just uh, tell them how much they are appreciated. Appreciate it if you would uh, join me as we pray. Father, as we have been singing, the writer of Proverbs said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it, and they are saved. And as we look now to your word, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts because you know what each of us needs to hear. I pray that you take the truth from your word and drive it home and personalize it to each of us. I ask that you would touch our hearts in a way that only you can, and that you do it for your glory and for the gain of your kingdom. For we pray it in Christ's name, amen. It's a little bit dangerous to preach a Mother's Day message on Mother's Day. And Alan kind of began to allude to it, but. It's, it's kind of like launching out into a minefield of emotional IEDs because there's so much freight that comes to a day like this. Some mothers are mothers unexpectedly and sometimes unwantedly. Some mothers weren't very nice to us. Some mothers left. Some have passed. Some have treated us in ways that we didn't appreciate. Some wanted to be mothers. Some still want to be mothers. And for some, it's not possible. Either because they're not married, or they never were married, or some biologically, and they can't have children. Or some are struggling to have children. That makes motherhood and a Mother's Day message, kind of like, uh, kind of raw. Uh, the emotions are, are raw, and it, it could be hurtful. Um, and for every mother, it's just playing a lot of hard work. You know, it's just physically, emotionally, spiritually, it can be really exhausting. 
And then, you know, there's always the, well, he's going to make all the mothers feel guilty because they, they never quite measure up, you know, to the, the Proverbs 31 woman, you know, up before dawn, you know, stays up late after everybody's in bed, buys the field, sells the field, master entrepreneur, does everything, you know, super mom. And so, you know, you just say, well, that's not me, so I, I, I don't, might as well turn off and not listen. And, and yet, those of us who are non-moms, and then, well, he's going to make us feel guilty because we're not treating mom the way we should treat mom. But you know, God's word has something to say about moms. And so this morning, I'm going to launch out into the minefield, uh, even though it's fraught with its uh, potential problems, because God has something to say, and through some examples from Scripture, I want us to learn some lessons on how we can be better loving towards our mothers. And when I say mothers, it's going to be particularly towards moms, but it might be your mother-in-law. It might be your mother of your children. It might be an adopted mother. It might be, you know, somebody who you see as your mom or somebody who really is your literally adoptive mother. It might be somebody who is just a lady that you just want to love. And I hope from the text, the first passage we're going to look at, that we'll be able to see that. I want you to look with me, if you will, for a few moments at three different examples, three biblical characters that each one of us teaches us a valuable lesson on how to demonstrate love towards our moms. And the first lesson we see comes from the Lord Jesus in John chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to John chapter 19. And I'm going to begin with verses, I'm going to read verses 25 through 27. But the text picks up, this is the crucifixion of Jesus. He's on the cross, okay? And his mother, and a crowd is gathered at the foot of the cross, his mother's among them. And John, his beloved disciple, is standing next to her. And here's what we read in John 19, verses 25 through 27. Therefore the soldiers did these things, but there was standing by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. How many Marys? That's three, I think, right? So uh, that's a lot of Marys. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his household. Wow. So here's Mary, his mother, standing there because she's a mom. She loves this kid. This is her son. She's there out of a mother's love. She's the one, as Luke says in Luke 2.52, she had watched him grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. And she's there to, to see her son. Maybe, we don't know, I mean, I can't prove this, but maybe Mary had experienced something like this one mother who was just really, really exhausted. She had some boys and she was out playing with them at night and she was playing cops and robbers with them one evening after supper just before they were going to bed. And she was over there and the neighbor lady was standing in the yard next door watching them play cops and robbers and there she, she was running away and, and her, her son, boom, boom, boom. And so she pretended and played possum and fell to the ground and just laid there in a heap. She laid there. She laid there, and the neighbor lady thought, 
Maybe she hurt herself when she fell. So the neighbor lady went over to the, and the, the boys were oblivious. You know, they're, they're off doing their thing just as boys do. They, you know, mom, okay, she's out. So we're, we're, and the neighbor lady knelt down over mom and she shook her a little bit and she says, are you okay? And just as she got down there, the mother opened one eye and she says, shh, don't give it away. This is the only rest I've had all day. <laughs> I don't know, but Jesus grew up in a home and her, his mom, his mom had poured into his life. She had fed him and clothed him and taught him and instructed him. And there he was. He'd been beaten, falsely accused, bleeding, bruised, a crown of thorns on his head, gasping his last breath. She stood there watching her son, crucified on a cross in the misery. And John, his Beloved disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, also loved Jesus. And there he was, standing there. And in Jesus' misery, and in his agony, and in his treachery as the one who was dying for the sins of the world. Looked down and blessed them both. Blessed them both. It would have been excruciatingly painful for him even to get a breath, yet alone to speak. And yet he used his last breaths to communicate his love for his mother. Woman, behold your son. And to John, behold your mother. With the words, these words, Jesus entrusted the physical and emotional care of his mother into the hands of John. In fulfillment of Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long on the earth, even though his weren't. John's weren't so much, but he was was living longer than Jesus. And so he honored his mother with providing for her care. And I find it rather fascinating that Jesus bypassed his brothers. He had biological siblings that should have taken up the mantle. But he bypassed his unbelieving brothers. In John chapter 7, verse 5, it indicates that his brothers at this point weren't believers. And so he bypassed his unbelieving brothers to put her into the care of his believing, beloved disciple, John. kind of a picture, if you will, not even, I don't think, tangentially, I think it's deliberately a picture of the church of Jesus Christ in which we become brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and grandpas and grandmas of those who are members of the body of Christ, even beyond our blood relatives. So that when I speak this morning about caring for your mother, you may not have a mother, or you may not have someone who is a mother figure to you, but you can be a person who loves another woman in the body of Christ and cares for her. We can love each other as God called us to in the body of Christ. And I think this is what Jesus is calling John to do, is to take up the mantle. Jesus said, John, you provide for my mom's physical needs, and you provide for her emotional needs, her comfort and her companionship. And it's important. We tend to think only of our physical needs. Well, yeah, mom, most of you are going to eat somewhere nice, 
And some of you won't, and that will be painful. But hey, let's not look at what was not. Let's take some other mom out. See, this is the point of what it means to be in the body of Christ. It's not just to look at me and woe is me, but how can I love someone else? Some of you are familiar with Mike Rowe, uh, Dirty Jobs Mike Rowe. Well, his mom had something to say to hear her son about her emotional and relational needs. And I want you to listen to what Mike Rowe has to say. America, hi. How are you? Happy Monday. I just got an email from my mother. Mm -hmm. An email from mom. Uh, and I printed it out and I, and I have to read it to you. Because <laughs> it kills me. It starts, Michael. It's your mother. You seem very busy here of late, writing stories and sharing them with your little friends on Facebook. <laughs> Maybe that's why I've heard nothing from you after leaving several messages over the weekend. If you'd prefer we communicate publicly, I'm happy to do so through a series of short stories, perhaps, posted on our respective Facebook pages. That would be fun. There it is. If mom has to email or text or tweet or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever she has to do to get a hold of us, mom needs some encouragement, not just our minds, not just providing food, clothing, and shelter, but for our emotional needs. Moms get lonely. Moms get discouraged. Moms get tired. And they need encouragement. Providing food, clothing, and shelter is only part of the picture. Uh, regular visits are nice if you live in close proximity. But even if you don't live in close proximity, the age of the Internet makes it much easier. Now, I know some of us have to, you know, kind of, some of us are technically challenged like myself, and then some of our parents or mothers are even more technically challenged. And so, you know, communicating via Skype or, uh, you know, Facebook Live or, uh, you know, Snapchat or Instagram might be out there. But maybe it's possible, you know, take some time. It's something that we can do to encourage them and take care of them. If you live close, take her for a walk. If you live close, take her to get her hair fixed. If you, take, if you live close, you know, do something with your mom. Uh, we were just in Indiana on vacation. Thanks for your prayers. We were uh, traveled out and back uh, in a short amount of time, went a long distance in a short amount of time. It's not quite so far to Indiana, but then we went on down to Williamston, Kentucky to see the Ark Encounter and then back. So it was a longer trip than we had thought it was going to be. But Marla's sister, Marla has a twin, that's my wife, she has a twin sister, and my my sister-in-law and her husband are so good about consistently including my mother-in-law in their activities. They're always inviting her to go. Whether she goes or not, that's another thing. And Marla's always encouraging her sister, just invite her. If she doesn't want to go, that's fine. But invite her. At least she knows she's welcome to go. This is the kind of thing that we do in providing for their physical but as well as their emotional needs. I know the mother of my children would not always like to get flowers. Sometimes she likes to get flowers. Sometimes she just likes to buy flowers to plant. Or if I would buy her flowers to plant, that was her Mother's Day gift. She bought them, but I paid for them, so that's her Mother's Day gift. So, you know, is this okay? I said, it's fine with me. You know. But you've got to know what that is and then provide for them. So Jesus shows us that provision is a way to communicate love towards our moms. 
Secondly, we're going to look in the Old Testament, if you can find the book of Ruth, we're going to look at Naomi. And in this story, Ruth shows us that devotion, our devotion to our mothers communicates love for our mom. So this is back in the book of Ruth, Ruth and first and then comes first uh, and second Samuel. Okay, so you get to Ruth, first and second Samuel. In this story, Ruth's loyalty to Naomi after the loss of both of their husbands is an amazing story. I'm going to read verses 14 through 18 in chapter 1. And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. That's Ruth telling Naomi to follow her her sister-in-law and go back. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me. And worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Now that's commitment. You see, Naomi, as a widow in that culture, was destined for poverty. Because the only social network at that time were your, was your husband and or your children. And she had neither. So Ruth, in going back, Ruth was a Moabitess. So she was coming from a foreign country to Judah. She would have been also Unable to be married, probably, probably was destined to be a widow, destined to be in poverty, and destined to have a difficult road because she would have been the only source of provision for her mother-in-law. It wasn't like she was sandbagging off of her rich mother-in-law, you know, like, okay, I'm going to ride the coattails of my rich mother-in-law. Not at all. She was in a difficult situation. Great sacrifice. And this would challenges me in this text oftentimes you know we grow up all of us have mothers or had a mother and they sacrifice greatly so what sacrifice is too great for them now again I say when I say mother I I, I know I know I'm speaking to people that you have to try to put it in your own context it might be the mother of your children it might be another woman in the church it might be your spouse it might be your real mom it might be somebody else that is your mom okay not everybody feels this way about their mother-in-laws I have a good friend not a good friend a friend I should say and he put it this way he says you know you know what one of the most depressing sights in all of life is when your in-laws show up with their suitcase now I can't say that I thought, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, some people laugh, some people don't laugh, because it shouldn't be funny, but for some people it is. But for Ruth, it wasn't. Ruth wanted to be with her mother-in-law. She was committed and devoted, and this is the point that I want to make. In loving our mothers, devotion is key. That is consistency, constancy, care, and sacrifice for their sake. I know, I know a couple that's my age, and they and siblings are daily providing the care for the mother who otherwise would be in a long-term care facility. That's a great sacrifice. Now, not, that can't be for everybody. It's not possible for everybody, but that's their story, and it's a 
testimony to their daily sacrifice. Just a phone call. A written note. You know, I know that if I want to communicate with my kids, if I text them, I'm going to get a response. If I call them, not so much. But if I text them, if I email them, maybe. But if I text them, boom. Okay, then that's, that's the... But our moms, not so much. A note means a lot. A phone call is a personal touch. Ruth's example of the devotion challenges us to love our moms, our grandmas, our adopted moms, our mother-in-laws, above our own self-interest. You willing to go to the mall with mom? Might be a risk. It might be there a while. Willing to take her to get her hair done? My wife went mushroom hunting with her mom. You know, that was a great gift. And some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. You can talk to my wife. But uh, they went mushroom hunting. Some of you might want to take your mom to the Des Moines Farmer's Market. Uh, I hope to take my, the mother of my children there someday. We want to get to the Des Moines Farmer's Market on Saturdays. It's something we can do to encourage them. Consistency and care. Focused time together. Making much of mom means putting her first. Sometimes. As a priority. Just like they have done for us so much of the time. It's not that big of a sacrifice. I like this columnist, Allie Taylor, the title of her article. She says, now, when I say this, you're going to think I have no idea what I'm talking about. She says, she wrote, I'm choosing to love my husband more than my kids. I want to say, are we loving the mothers of our children more than our kids? Yeah, I said that. Because when you get married, your spouse aside from our relationship with Christ, should be the first priority. And that's how our kids know that they're loved. I love the woman that is my wife more than I love my kids. My kids are very secure in their spot. Now, that doesn't mean I don't love my kids. I love love them to death. But that, that means that they need to know their priority. So are we willing to be that devoted to the, quote, unquote, the moms in our lives? Jesus showed us through provision we communicate love. Physical and emotional. Ruth shows us through devotion we communicate love to our moms. Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, communicates, shows us that through our submission, our submission to godly instructions, we communicate love to our moms. So through provision, through devotion, and through submission. There's a couple of considerations. I'm going to read through the text in verses 14 through 17 of chapter 3. Paul says this to Timothy. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul is writing to Timothy. Now Paul has been in prison and is in prison, probably for the second time. Paul is facing death. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, to warn him of dangers of being a Christian at that time in history. 
trying to encourage him to remain faithful in the midst of persecution, which is inevitable. That's First, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. All who live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul told Timothy, will be persecuted. So in light of that context, Paul says, Timothy, here's the secret. How can you be encouraged? How can you stay faithful? How can you remain in the midst of persecution? Continue in the things for which you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you learned them. That's what he says. And who taught him? Where did he learn these things? You can just write down 2 Timothy 1.5. From Lois and Eunice, his mother and his grandmother, taught him these things. They had solid faith in Jesus, and so did Timothy. That's what the text says. They had learned these things, the sacred writings which are able to make them wise. And he, they had taught them. These women had patiently, consistently, wisely taught him the truths of the scriptures. Now what scriptures? The Old Testament. Isn't it interesting? Well, sorry. When I say that, please forgive me. Some things that are interesting to me don't necessarily have to be interesting to you. But when he says scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament. And the Old Testament scriptures are what? Able to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Old Testament is able to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, that's what you have, Timothy. That's the secret. What a privilege it is for parents to teach children the truths of God's word. What a privilege it is for children to be taught the truths of God's word and some of you say well that isn't me never got it when I was growing up well you're here you're getting it now so whether we got it growing up or whether we get it now the point is what are we going to do with it whether we received instruction growing up or later in life the only only one response to it communicates love towards our moms whether your mom even knew Jesus or not if we communicate, we can communicate love through our obedience to the Word of God. Loving obedience. There's godly instruction, then there's loving submission. I want you to look at uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. My son, observe. Now, my son is generic for sons, daughters, everybody. So if you're a daughter here, you still have to listen up, okay? Observe the commandment of your father. Well, sons do. And then do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Don't forsake the teachings of your mother. The point is that your mom's going to teach you. Most moms aren't teaching us to be um, derelicts. You know, they're not teaching us to be uh, jerks. They're, they're teaching us to be nice people. That's moms do that. Okay, that's what their job is. That's their job description. Why don't you look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. I remember talking to my 98-year-old, well, he's 97, great-grandfather. And I says, Grandpa, I said, why, why do you think you're still alive? And this is the verse that he gave me. Because I honored my, my parents and honored my parents. And this is what this is the Bible gives me that promise. And so that's what he did. And so we see that as, as, as children, and I use the term loosely, okay, so find a mom, find a parent, and that's how we honor them. God calls us to obey a godly parent and parents regardless of our age. 
Now, yes, your mom, if you're a little older, your mom's probably not telling you what time to come in at night, not telling you what you can watch on TV or what you can watch on the Internet, but your mom still gives instructions. And if you are young enough, then mom's telling you those things, then okay, there's the text. Isn't it interesting that God gives us a rope? And the rope is children are your very parents in the Lord. And if we, he, he provides protection for us. If we, if we obey within the boundaries of what God has said, then we're safe. Your life will be long on the earth. But if we go outside the boundary, then we're in danger. So the parent's job is to keep the kids inside the fence. So they don't kill themselves. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're job is to keep us on track. So we can rebel against that or we can submit to it. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 14, which we're there, it says, You, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of. Become convinced of. That's the key. A lot of us have been taught what's right. We're just not really sure we're going to buy into all that. Right? You see... There's a difference between religion and a relationship with God. In the former, we know about God. In the latter, we have a relationship. We actually know God. Religion, I know about God. Relationship, I actually know God. Many years ago in communist Russia, there was a young boy. And a, a, cat, a priest saw the young boy and wanted to get the boy in Sunday school. And so he said to the young boy, he says, look, you come to Sunday school. He says, if you, if you, if you memorize one verse of Scripture, I'll give you a piece of candy. So the young boy in communist Russia, a poor little boy, he said, great. So he memorized the first verse of Scripture. And the priest was asking him to memorize, started in the Gospel of Matthew. And so he memorized Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. And then he said, okay, you memorize another verse, and I'll give you another piece of candy. And the boy was really intrigued by this, and so he began to memorize verses, and every verse he memorized, the priest would give him a piece of candy, and pretty soon the young boy had memorized the entire Gospel of Matthew. He didn't want to stop there. So if this young boy with a brilliant mind memorized Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, all four of the Gospels verbatim, he could quote them, no problem. And this young boy grew up to be the ruler of Russia, none other than Nikita Khrushchev. A man, Leonid, L-E-O-N-I-D is his given name, Khrushchev. An avowed atheist who memorized more scripture than most Christians ever will. He knew the word of God. He had been taught. He had not caught the truth. Paul says to Timothy, you must be convinced of these things. Timothy enjoyed the salvation through faith in Christ, Jesus. His was a sincere, not a surface faith. He, he had been taught the truth, and he had caught the truth. And for us to move into loving submission that demonstrates love towards our moms and towards God and his word, there must be a couple of questions we should answer. And the first one is this, have we caught the truth? Maybe a little more recent illustration would help. Uh, I have a picture of Franklin Graham 
Franklin Graham, the son of the greatest evangelist in the 20th century, Billy Graham. Some of you maybe have read his book, Rebel with a Cause. He grew up in the home of the most popular preacher, evangelical preacher in the world. And he was a rebel. And he rebelled and he rejected it and he walked off the reservation. Later, later, later in life, he came back. And what he had been taught, he caught. You see, we can't catch the truth unless, unless we have been caught by the truth. Unless you and I understand, and notice what it says of Timothy, that he, was, he learned salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, it's only in a relationship with Christ Jesus that we can actually know the truth. The truth will set us free. Only as we understand that He, Jesus, died on the cross as the payment for the sins you and I deserved to be paid for. We deserve judgment, and Jesus died in our place. Only as we accept His death as the substitute for us and trust His death in our place will we be saved. Only as we are captivated by the truth will we be able to be taught and then catch the truth and then live the truth that's what happened to Billy Graham didn't happen to Nikita Khrushchev he was over here he had been taught never caught because he wasn't captivated by the truth he had never turned from his sin and trusted Christ which is the only way that we can come into a relationship with God and then be able to love in a way that we have been loved so if we've been caught uh, we haven't been caught by the truth, then we'll still be disrespectful to our parents. You know, snide comments, snide remarks, rebel against their rules. I don't care what you tell me about how much FaceTime I can do or how much time I can be on Snapchat and Instagram and how much computer time I got or where I can go, what sites. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't have to wear what you want me to wear. I don't have to say what you want me to say. I can do whatever I want to do. That's Maybe you've been taught, but you haven't caught, the truth hasn't caught on. And it's not necessarily just for young people. I mean, some of us are a little older than we should be, and we're still snobs towards the people that we should be respecting. And that's not pleasing to God or to our parents. It's not possible to catch the truth unless we've been caught by the truth. Paul says, or Yeah, in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart we believe, resulting in salvation, in righteousness, and with the mouth we confess, resulting in salvation. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy to inspire courage, to instill hope, to infuse him with energy to persevere in the face of persecution. Folks, The letter is just as apropos for us today because Timothy lived in a time in which Christians were fed to the dogs, in which Christians were impaled on stakes and put on fire and set out at night to light the streets. Now that's not happening by God's grace to us yet, but we are living in a culture that is increasingly hostile towards our faith. And the only way to survive, the only way to, is to continue in the things in which we have been taught and convinced of as from the children. The question is, will we continue? Will, will we pray 
that the Spirit of God would produce within us the attitudes and the actions of Jesus, that the Spirit of God would produce the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Will we practice what we know is true, that we would practice being kind and generous and hospitable and forgiving and merciful and compassionate? Or will we just continue to do life the way we want? Now, that has nothing necessarily to do with your mom. That's just life. I mean, continuing the things in which you have been learned and been convinced of. That's just God's stuff in life. Will we set our priorities according to God's word rather than our own gut? If we do, it will be an honor and a testament to mom. Whether she knows Jesus or not, honor your father and mother doesn't mean honor your father and your mother only if they're the best people in the world. No. That's on us, regardless of them. And so Paul lays it out for us. Will we, re, will we obey? Then with mom, will we do what mom asks? You know? Some of you young people, I know. I have a mom. She's here, so I have to be careful. Uh, I didn't do always exactly what my mom said. And even if I did what I was told, I didn't always do it with the right attitude. You know. I'm doing it on the outside, but on the inside, I'm not doing it. Well, that's the same as not doing it. It's still sinful. But see, here's the deal. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ, there is a a, a second chance. There's a, a chance to live it out. I can't rewind the past. I'm not asking you to rewind the past. I'm just asking us to start fresh and to say, how can we honor mom through submission to godly instruction right now? From now on, as we move forward in this, His godly mother passed away when he was seven years old. By the age of 11, he was a seaman working on ships, living in revelry and debauchery and rebellion against God and everything he'd been taught as a kid. By the age of 23, he was a commander of his own slave ship. And he thought he was invincible until one day at sea, The storm assailed his ship, and the waves were high, and the wind was strong, and he thought everything, including his own life, would be lost, and he went and found a copy of Thomas Akempis' The Imitation of Christ, and he began to read it, and as he read it, it sowed the seeds which led to his later conversion to Christ, admitting he was a sinner. Accepting Christ's death as a sacrifice for his sin. Trusting Jesus' death and and turning from his sin and sinful life of rebellion to live a life of godliness. In writing about that conversion, John Newton penned these words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. He had been taught the truth. But a long time later, before he was captivated by the truth, and then caught the truth, it's not too late. I don't care where you're at this morning. It's never too late 
to let the Spirit of God convict you of your sin and your self-directed rebellious life and to say, Lord, I surrender. I've been doing it on my own. I've been captaining my own ship and I want to turn from that and I want to turn the helm over to you. Confess my sin and I turn from my sin and I trust in Jesus as my Savior and I invite you to be now my Lord and Master and the captain of my ship. Now, you do that, if you mean it, he's going to take control and it's a wild ride, okay? I don't want to play games with you. This is not, you know, this is not for the faint of heart. This is for real. This is for eternity. And so don't go into it blind thinking, oh yeah, it's going to be hunky-dory, no problems, no. But I'll tell you what, the captain of the ship is leading the ship. And he's in charge. Moms are to be honored. And we honor and love our moms through our provision for their physical, emotional, relational, spiritual needs. Through our devotion to them, unswerving, unyielded commitment to care for, connect with, and provide for them. And through our submission to the Word of God. Regardless, just our submission to the Word of God. The things which you have learned and become convinced of that are able to make you wise unto salvation. So I ask you this morning, are you captivated by the truth? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Because you can't love anybody until you know the love of Christ in your own heart. You can't give what you don't have. I'll say that slower. You can't give what you don't have. If I don't know the love of Christ, I can't give the love of Christ. But once I have been given the love of Christ and I received it into my heart and my life, then the example of Christ empowers me, enables me, entices me to give that love to everyone. And not just moms. Sacrificially, like Jesus did when he hung on the cross and he cared more about his mom and his beloved disciple than his own self. And so I look at that and I think, what can I give that's greater than what Jesus has given for me? I don't like to ask myself that question. But when I do, I always get the same answer. Nothing. No sacrifice I can make is greater than the one that has been made for me. And that's true for you too. So if you don't know Jesus, he paid it all. Trust him today. And if you do know Jesus, hallelujah. He gives us the power, the grace, the strength to love not just moms, but everybody in a way that we need to. And so as we, as we come this morning and as we break this bread and we drink this cup, we remember that Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his body was broken and his blood was shed as a sacrifice for our sins, making it possible for us to enter the kingdom of God and to become his children so that we can love in a way that God wants us to love. For everyone who believes, that's the key. It's not just for everybody, it's for everyone who believes. Remember Timothy? Through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Everyone here this morning, if you're trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come. And to take of the bread and to drink of the cup. And to be encouraged what Christ has done for us. That we might go and love as he loved us. 
If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, then I ask you to trust him and come and take this for the very first time as one of his children. And if you don't and can't do that, then fine. And there's no shame in just staying seated. If you need to do right. I would rather you come with a right heart than not come, than, than not come at all or come with a wrong heart. Don't come presumptuously. Yeah, well, you know, I got this. I'm good. No, none of us is worthy. He makes us worthy. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help me, help each of us, uh, not just to love our moms with provision and devotion and submission, but to love you and to love others in a way that you've called us to love and enabled us to love by the power of your spirit working within us. As we take these elements, I pray that we would examine our hearts and that we would come not presumptuously, not as if we deserve it, but come as those who know that we are not worthy, but we are blessed and privileged to come. We pray in Jesus' name.